I love that when we break the muscle memory, we really give reason we don't have a choice, so we don't give. We, we don't have a choice. When we change our position, everything looks different. It just looks different. If you were in the back and you're in the front, suddenly things are closer. Suddenly details you didn't see before become clear. If you're in the front, now you're in the back, suddenly some of the focus might be obscure. If you're on the right than the left, it's a different viewpoint, such as the kingdom of God. Such is the kingdom of God. If you're with us today and this is your first time, I want you to know how blessed that we are that you are here. It's really easy to let us know two ways. Um, if I've done what I know to do to try to meet those of you that are visiting for the first time. Um, if somehow I've missed you, I would love the opportunity at the conclusion of service today to be able to shake your hand, hug your neck, and thank you personally. And, uh, but um, I want you to know how blessed that we are that you are a part of what the Father's doing in this house. I can tell you right now it's going to be it's going to be different even if it's not today. Even if today is not different than what you're used to, it's going to be different in the time, in time because we are always in pursuit of whatever it is that the Father wants to do at any given moment. So I want to say to you that are watching online today, I want to thank you that you're watching. First of all, I want to thank you for tuning in from wherever you're at, wherever in the world you are at today and you are watching us online. I hope that you're able to receive on the other side of that lens uh, what it is that the Father is doing on this side of the lens. And I can tell you that in this house there is an, an excitement. There is a uh, moving, there is an anticipation of the what next, and it is exciting. So I hope that you are able to experience that from where you're at. If you're, if you're not able to and you live too far away, move here. That's the easy way to do it. Um, if you're here and you're not here, uh, come here. And uh, we bless you, but thank you so much for watching, for streaming, for being a part of what he's doing here today. I'm super excited about this word as I release it. I don't know, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how this thing is going to unfold this morning. I don't know where uh, it will conclude. It might just be a, an awkward jumping off. <laughs> might just be an awkward, that's it. That's all, folks. And until next time. But this is where we're going to begin today. We're going to continue with this series called Fluid Worship. And today, the subject of that is All Are One. Now, in doing this, this season that we are in, that none of us, I think it's important that everybody in this room understands that there's none of us in this room that really have a clear picture of what he's doing in this fluid worship moment that he has us in. Now, I don't even. I don't. And I'm preaching and I'm teaching to the fullness of the knowledge I have at the moment. That's where I'm at. But he's growing this, and it's becoming bigger than the moment. And because it's bigger than the moment, if we try to position ourselves so that we feel like, oh, this is what it looks like because we were here today, it will be missed because it cannot be captured in a moment. It is moment after moment after moment 
one connected to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Amen? So I want to talk to you a little bit about some things as it relates. These are some things that I wrote down early this morning. But I want to talk to you about uh, how we got, how we arrived. I don't like the word got. But how we arrived at the place that we are today in the church world as it relates to church. We arrived here for good reason. The reason that we've come to the place where church services look like they look today is because we were always careful, or at least to, to at most, have always been concerned with this sense of having order within the church. And what order did is the pursuit of order in the church, even to the extent that it got out of control, even order got out of control. The pursuit of order in the church, what it has done is it has introduced restraint into our time together and removed freedom. It, it set the stage for there to be one thing happening at any one time because of fear that somehow, if more than one thing were happening at any given time, confusion would ensue. But the kingdom of God is bigger than that. The anointing of God, the anointing of Christ, the redemptive power of Christ is that He changes our minds and our attitudes in such a way that it causes us to come into a place where we can begin to see things that we had not before, and even, 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 everybody say even, even, even accept some things, accept, not accept like exception, accept some things that at one time we would not include. It's where we are. It's a journey. So this pursuit of order has in every way, in too many ways, introduced a sense of restraint that has limited the church from really, from my view, become what we're supposed to be. I've said before in this, since we started this church 20 years ago, I don't know how many times I've said, but I know it's a lot, but I've said over and over again, I have made the statement that, is everybody, has everybody had that? Thank you. And, and now I'm going to preach to it. Oh. What it's done is, and what my heart is, and I've said over and over again, is I don't like the way church is. Church as usual. And... It's not because I want to be different. It's because I want to be right. I don't want to be different for different sake. I want to be right for God's sake, for the kingdom's sake. Am I more... Is it better for me to say... 
this is how the church has always done it, so I'm going to do it that way, no matter what God thinks, versus doing it the way, making changes that God wants us to make with the possibility that the church becomes offended. Is it better? Who am I safer to offend, the church or God? I don't want to offend either. But if a choice must be made, I'm going to offend the church. Amen? So I'm preaching to this marble today. I'm going to offend the church, not with intention, but in hope. I don't set out to say what will disrupt the norm for disruption's sake. I set out to preach what he has put in my heart to do my part in bringing the church into its right relationship with him in hope that the church will not be offended, but instead embrace what God might be doing that's different. Does that make sense? And this is where we are. Some of the things that have bothered me for a long time, a long time, about the church and what I want to help you understand, I hope to help you understand this today and help you understand what we're walking out. I've been talking about this for actually weeks now, but today I'm going to use it to try to pinpoint a few things. But it's bothered me that we can... Continue to, in four years, since the time I got saved back in 1985 until now, not much has changed about the church. The only thing that's changed about the church since then in those 34 years, really the only thing that has changed in the church from my perspective is who's standing behind the pulpit. Not a lot has changed in the way we conduct church because that is what happens. We currently, as a rule, conduct church in the same way that a conductor conducts the orchestra or the choir. He conducts it. He, everything is this way. I just don't believe that's the intention of God. And I never have. I've just not known what it looks like otherwise, nor have I known how we would get there if I did know. And I still don't know that. But I do know that now is the time to begin to speak about it, to begin to talk about it, so that it will do this. Not so that all knowledge and revelation comes to Steve Parker, but so that I stir up the gifts that are within you to cause you to begin to see beyond where you are. Because if you've come expecting me to have the answers, it's because we've been conducting church for too long. And you've just been part of a choir that you, you get to sing when they tell you to. But what happens when the conductor stands and he says, Choir, we've practiced this song and dance for a long time. We feel pretty good about how perfected it's become. You really sound good. All the harmonies are in the right place. 
everything sounds good, except for something's missing. It has the look of wholeness and fullness in the kingdom, but it is absent the power to change everything that's around it. So what happens when the conductor says, I release you today, if you've always sang alto, jump into soprano. If you've only been the page turner, you be the one that puts the words on the page. Well, then what about you, conductor? When this thing is right, we will be so much a part of one another, no one will know who's conducting or who's being conducted. Because it will be fluid. The church has been static for so long. There has not been change. There's not been an appetite for change. There's been an appetite for a new song. There's been an appetite for more services. Been an appetite for... Deeper preaching or shallower preaching. <laughs> been an appetite for more of this, more ministries, more of this, more of that. But there has not been an appetite really for all things to become one. There has not been an appetite for those who have gathered in the service to really genuinely feel like they are a functional part of the service. In fact, I would even ask this this morning, and that is without need. I don't want an. I do not want an answer. Even if you feel led to answer, please don't. But I would ask this this morning. I wonder how many people, when they arrived today, and their thinking was, "I'm going to sit down." Even if if you've done it for so long, it's now happening subconsciously. It's just muscle memory, I'm going to sit, we're going to sing, we're going to worship, or we're going to listen, and then we're going to go home and never considered that your part might be the part for today. I'm going to tell you why it's become that. It's become that for the same reason that I made sure that there was always order when we started the Rock of Central Florida. I remember the time a lady got up with the flags and banners. Some of you will remember this way back when we had about 20 people at the time. and She would walk up and down the aisle. She came for a couple, two or three weeks, uh, sometime. I don't remember, maybe a month. I'm not sure how long. But anyway, she came. And she had these flags and she would wave them. And it was never good enough to wave the flag. It had to be in your face. It had to brush over your head. It just, it wasn't enough to be a flagger. I also had to be a beater. And I remember 
being angered in the service while this was going on and, and it went for a while and then finally at some point in the middle of one of the services she was with her flags and running it over everybody's head and, and you could see people are trying to worship and then suddenly they had something going and <laughs> 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 startlement it's like and I had to go down and I went and I said listen I appreciate you wanting to do these flags. I'm not sure how I said it. I, I think I, I want to say I was really nice about it. But I said, <laughs> I, I understand you, you, you love these flags, but you love them more than everybody else does. Can you just not cram those in people's faces, please? I'd appreciate it. And she never came back. Because it's not as much fun if you can't stick it in the face. And, but there was, there was this sense of in a desire to have order that the church has moved everything out that would be spontaneous. There's no room for anything to happen spontaneous. And, but here's the, here's the quandary. Spontaneous exists, AJ, currently, because we're not used to it, because we're not comfortable with it because it's not the norm. But when the spontaneous becomes the expected, it's no longer spontaneous. It becomes word and spirit. Am I making any sense? So where's Matt? Can I get this whiteboard, please, Matt? With a marker. So I want to read to you this morning out of Matthew chapter 26. So please turn there with me, please. And in the process of all of the order, our order has turned our worship into little blocks of time, and there's no room for oneness, there's no room for opportunity or spontaneity, there's no room for that. And I want to share a story that this passage that I'm about to read can be used in so many ways because it covers so much territory. I've used it in times of ministry, full and rich uh, with revelation and I want to read this to you and as I do I want you to notice how many things are happening at one time that reflect relationship without any breaks for an explanation of what's next I want you to pay attention to how things begin to flow in this and one thing is connected to another thing but it's connected not because someone said, okay, and now we're going to do this, and now we're going to do this. It's connected because spontaneity has become relational. It's relationship. The word's been changed. Here we go. Matthew 26, verse 20 reads like this. We'll start there. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. This particular passage uh, is referred to often as the Last Supper. It's really not the Last Supper. Uh, there have been many suppers since. But what it is, it, it, is, it is a, what I've referred to in the past is the table of threshing. It's, when, it's the table where everything hidden is revealed. It is the table of exposing. It is the table of enlightenment. It is the table of awareness. So Matthew chapter 26 verse 20 reads like this, says, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad, and they began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. 
Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not even been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray Christ, said, Surely you don't mean me. It's, it's always the one, the guilty one, that somehow believes they're innocent. Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, I actually do. You have said so. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, for this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, Drink from it, all of you. All of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Hope you make it. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I, I mean, it's just amazing to me. First of all, they even had worship at the end of all of this what we would consider worship, music. They didn't start with music, God forbid. And yet in this supper, there is in every way, every part of what we call church today. Except the difference is, in this supper, so much was said and done. There was a revealing there was opportunity for repentance. There was opportunity to be forgiven. There was the breaking of bread. There was fellowship. There was laughter among them. There were questions. There was teaching. And there was singing. And all of this was happening, and you didn't know when one thing would happen after the next. It just flowed. Because it flows, it flows out of relationship. See, when they gathered at that table, no one gathered at that table not expecting to eat. Hear me. No one came that night not expecting to eat. Now, no one came that night expecting either for the Christ, for Jesus, to say, one of you is going to betray me. None of them came expecting that truth, but they did all come expecting some truth. They expected that when they sat down at the table, they were going to be eating something, drinking something. They did not expect that one of them would be a betrayer. They did not expect that later on in the story, you find that Christ is telling them, hey, and it's just a few days now. Everything's changing. What they came to expect, they came to sit at this table, like we talked about last week, to sit at the table, and when they were sitting at the table, they came to expect, we're going to have a conversation with Christ, and we're going to fellowship, and we're really excited about it, and there was an expectation that at the end of that dinner, at the end of that meal, they would be changed. They were going to be better for it. That's why they came to the table. They came to the table because they believed that when the meal was over, they would be better for it. There was expectation. 
But there was no, for five minutes we're going to do this, and for five minutes we're going to do that, and then we're going to do this next, and then, and then this is always going to have to come before the other. In fact, they hadn't even sang yet, and he was already making opportunity for Judas to be forgiven. I highlighted a few things that I thought were interesting that were happening all at once. He says, while they were eating, all of this was happening. Why? Everybody say, while. While they were eating, while they were fellowship, while they were at church. I think the first thing that we've got to do is change the concept that right now we're at church. We're not at church, we're the church. So the first thing we've got to do is rearrange our thinking that where are you going on Sunday morning? I'm going to church. No, I'm not. I'm going to fellowship. I'm going to relate. I'm going to interact. I'm going to express. I'm going to be a testimony. I'm going to be a sign and a wonder. I'm going to whatever. Whatever's in you. I'm going to do these things. And how is that going to happen? It's going to be very difficult to happen as it is right now. It's not. So he says, first of all, he says, these are some things I wanted to point out. While we were eating, that's one thing. While we were eating all these things, and while we're eating, I'm going to tell you something. While we're eating, I'm going, I've got some things that I want to say. And while we were eating, and I was telling them something, he says in verse 22, they began to say things to him. And then in verse 25, while they were eating and he was saying something and they were talking to him and having this conversation, then they begin to ask questions about the statement that he made. They begin to inquire because they wanted to know more. They were hungry and not just for unleavened bread. But they were hungry for more. And it says... Again, while they were eating in verse 26, they sung a hymn. And then what did they do? And then they went. Then they went. What are you more prone to talk about? Are you more prone to talk about the things you hear me say on Sunday morning when you walk out of here? Or are you more prone to talk about the party that you went to and all your friends were gathered together and you laughed and you played games and you just made memories and you walked out of there and you, you were delighted in your heart and soul and it was so excited. What are you more prone to talk about? Don't lie against the truth. Those moments that give us life and make our heart beat fast are the things we're going to talk about the most. So why has church become this thing of moments connected to one another and they got little gaps? This is a block of time. 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 And we try in every way that we can to make this a time of worship and it just never really becomes that because no matter how hard we try, somehow everything's still disconnected. In fact, the church has become this, I'm going to show you a diagram of what I believe, what I see in my heart that I don't yet see with my eyes, but I will. And I'm going to keep moving on this path until I see with my eyes what I see in my heart. But let me explain to you, this is what the church, the current modern day church looks like. Listen, I'm not faulting the current modern day church because their pursuit of order, there's nothing wrong with a pursuit of order, but there is something wrong with not understanding order or diving into it. What kind of order are you talking about? 
See, his ways are higher than ours, so if we try to measure his interpretation of order against ours, it's probably going to come up short. Ours is probably going to come up short. So the modern church looks like this. Let me just write this right here. This is the modern church. I'll step out of the way in just a second. The modern church looks like a city. And I know everybody that uh, loves uh, making sure that a scripture is shared with every passage right now. You're thinking of the city that is set on a hill. Well, we're going to blow that hill up. So this is the modern church right here. And what happens in the city is you've got all these blocks. You've got this block and that block and this block and this block. And it goes on and on and on. And they're scattered hither and yon. And, and you've got this building and you've got a high rise over here. And, and this is a city. Well, in the city, to get from one place to the other, there's a little stoplight here and a little stoplight here and a little stoplight here, a little stoplight here. And you got these little stoplights that you just keep having to, are you tracking with me? You got these little stoplights. Well, here you are and I, here we are right now in the modern church in our little vehicle. And we're riding along, and unless it's Jimmy's, it's a Corvette. So we're riding along. Well, in the city, in the modern church, we're excited. We get up, man, we jump in. We got a little smile on our face. And we jump into that car and we take off and we go. We get to church because this is the beginning. This is where church starts right here. It begins here, right here. This is where church starts. So we're going into the city, the modern church. And we get there. Well, we come up to the stoplight. We've, we finished this. We've checked out this little square this little block well now there's a stop sign so we're going to sit there and we're going to wait till everything happens that has to happen at the stop sign these people go those people go this thing happens but there's just a lot of sitting and we're just twiddling our thumbs just waiting for the next thing to occur and then that light turns green and then we go to the next thing and then we wait for that moment to pass and then we go to the next thing and we wait for that and then the next and then so on and so forth but there's all these little blocks of time that are separated by a traffic light you with me and all of these little blocks of time have a name. You know, they have, this is, this is where the songs are. I'm just going to say songs. This is where the announcements are. And this is where, what's next? This is where uh, greeting or fellowship, whoops, can't spell. This is where fellowship is. Let me not say it fell. Let me just say fellow. This is where fellowship is. Then this is where the preaching is. And then you have somewhere over in here, you've got, oh, you know, you got a, an invitation or something, you know, and you got all this and, and all that goes on. So you've got these little blocks and, and then this space that's in between every single block. And it's just really not filled with anything that connects the two. So you're going from one thing to another and it's light from light to light to light. And you've got all these little blocks. But what, what, is, what is it that the church was at the Last Supper or what's called the Last Supper? And we're, gonna, we're not going to call it that. We're going to call it tonight. We're gonna, today we're going to call it the Table of Revelation. So what is it at the Table of Revelation that we get? What, what happens there? If we use that as an example, and I would think, and, and maybe you would think like me, but I would think that that Table of Revelation is a pretty good basis by which to begin to form my opinion and my thoughts and my process of what the church would look like. What our gathering, what our time together, not the church, not the church. We've got to change that, that, whole, uh, that whole vocabulary because we're not trying to be, uh, uh, create a church service. We want to be the church and it, we become the church because of what we do that isn't in the church. Am I making sense? So here at the table of Revelation... I'm going to just put table, rev. 
At the table of Revelation, it's not a city. Instead, it is a highway. And at the table of Revelation, you've got all these little lanes that are, that are going this way. And you're in your little car here. And this one's in his car. And this one's in theirs. And they do this. And they do this. And there's nothing to stop them. But they move from one thing. All the while, check this out. Super cool. Get this. Right here is this city. We're going to call this city bad choice. This is the city of bad choice. Right here is the city of bad choice. Here, and I'm going to do a block. Here is the city of same old thing. Here's another city called, uh, just let's say same thing, redundancy. Uh, redund- that's not even right, but it doesn't matter. Here's bad choice, same old thing, redundancy. Now up here, what they're doing is going dot, 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 dot. dot. They're not getting anywhere. And then next week they're going to come back because they used all of their hour and a half or two hours of time to get into this block. So now they're going to have to come back and start all over again and they never move along. But what happens at the table of Revelation? What do we see there? What happened was they sat down at that table and there was no stopping. They passed the bad choice. They passed the same old thing. They passed the city of redundancy, and they kept going. And this one went over, and here's Judas. I mean, here's Christ. He's just talking, and and then here's some of the other disciples. They're talking. Here's Judas, and this is what's crazy because here's Judas going along, and he's thinking, you know, he never stops moving, but he does change lanes. (laughs) Judas does change lanes, but he never stops moving in that whole process. And then at the end of it, there's the revealing revealing at the end that's terrible writing but at the end there's a revealing that takes place and in that revealing everything that was supposed to happen on the highway happened can you get that this morning so everything that was supposed to happen happened this 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 is what the father wants to do with us how do we get from here to here let me tell you how it won't happen It won't happen because all the responsibility is on me to make sure that every single thing happens. It will happen when each of us begin to accept that when I walk in the doors of the rock on Sunday morning, I'm not walking into a church. I'm walking into an opportunity to become the church. Do you hear me? Am I making any sense? So what does that look like? I hope we never know. Because I want one week to be so different than the last one. What does it feel like? Freedom. And as I look out at you this morning, the chairs are so in the way. And I remind you, I don't hate the chair. The chair never did anything to us. But I hate what the chair represents. It represents a static, a stagnancy, a this is my seat. It represents a, I'm waiting on you to tell me what's next. The chair shouts at me every week when we come in here and I see people sitting down. The chair is screaming at me. Oh, they've, 
See, I got them in their seat. You do what you do, and this is what they're going to do. Same thing they did last week. I just want the chair to yell at you one week when you sit down or yell at me, yell at us and say, Get up! I want the chair to shout, Stand up! Go do what you came to do this morning. You came to become the church. You didn't come to church. So this is where he's taking us, but it gets here because you and me, you and I, because we come into this thing and we're saying, what next? Does it change the opportunity to teach? What it does is it changes how we're taught. I love preaching. I love ministry. But anybody that's ever sat with me around a table knows the thing I love the most is sitting around a table talking. I love it. Because you sit around a table and people are talking back. The greatest lessons Christ shared happened when? Not behind a pulpit. Sitting on a rock, sitting in a boat, sitting in a seashore, eating some fish. At a table. The deepest teaching. And listen, I'm going to preach myself out of, out of a pulpit. I hope. And I realize there's people that will have challenges because they want the city, not the highway. They want to be able to come back to the same block week after week after week and not have to take upon themselves any, as this sign will say in a moment, any responsibility. They want to leave the responsibility to someone. After all, we've been responsible all week long, been responsible to get up and go to work, get up and cook dinner, get up take care of the kids, get up whatever. We've been responsible all week. Just this day, on Sunday, I just don't want to be responsible. I can tell you something. When you begin to take responsibility and you do your part and I do my part, it doesn't feel like responsibility. It feels like opportunity. So what happened? An entire service occurred all at one time because the modern church blocks all these things off. But what Christ did was he said, let me show you what this looks like. It's not church. This is opportunity. This is an event. This is a moment. And more happened at that table that day in however long they sat there than happens in most of our services that we have on Sunday morning in a combined year. Do you know why preachers tend to talk about the same thing from time to time? The church that I got saved in was an interesting place because I remember, and I've told this before, and I, and I, I won't tell who it is or where it was, but I remember the preacher of that church. It was a large church, and I remember the preacher of that church had a shoebox or a file box. It wasn't a shoebox, but it was a big box. And he had in that box the message that he would preach on a given Sunday every year. He knew on the second Sunday of February what he was going to preach. Because that's what the people expected. But they had been trained that way. 
So he would go in there and he'd find the box. Okay, this is the third Sunday in September and he might add a different story or update it a little bit based on the news or maybe even something Holy Spirit said to him. But he'd update the message just a little bit just to make it a little bit more current. But it would go right back into that second Sunday of September or second Sunday of January or whatever it was. He'd put it right back into that slot for the next year. And then he'd go right back to that thing. He's not a bad person. He was a good person. In fact, he was a good preacher. But do you know why he had to go back to that box? And do you know why churches today continue week after week to say the same thing a little bit differently? Because it's the preacher that keeps doing the talking. And the people haven't become the part of the church that they're supposed to be. People will walk out of churches today, maybe even here, they'll walk out of churches today and say, we are the church And yet there really is, where's the church in them? Where is it happening? Do you hear me today? Turn with me to Psalm 95. Let me read this. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hands, in His hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. What does that mean? In a word, it means adjustment. All of that means let's adjust so that everything we are doing looks like worship. How do we do that? We are not going to jump in in one Sunday to a different process. We're going to walk this out. And we're going to grow in this, and we're going to grow in this as a house, both at the first service, 9 o'clock, second service, 11 o'clock. We're going to grow in this. And I'm going to look to you, as I always have, but I'm going to look to you even more now than ever for you to come with something. What will that look like? I I want to find out. I want you to come with something. Every Sunday when we gather in my office before service, I ask them, what are you hearing? Every Sunday they have something to say. Rarely is there a Sunday where I ask them to say it again out here. That's on me. Some of what is said back there in my office in our conversation should be released among us. But because I'm like so many... If I'm honest, I am honest, I think I'm honest, because I'm like so many of you, sometimes it's hard if, not in that room, but if someone came to me and they said, you know, I really want to share this, you can't help but your mind immediately begin to see what you have known about them. (laughs) You, You heard what? How did you hear that in the middle of all of that? Is there anybody not guilty of that? Why? 
what? You have judged people? I sure have. I really have. And so have you. Don't even try to act like you haven't. So how do you release that and give opportunity to be the church instead of coming to church? How do you change that mindset? By taking steps. All are one, people. Taking responsibility so that tithe and offering, you, don't, you can look at these signs and, and, and you can come and you know, bring your tithe and offering. You shouldn't have to be told. You should come to a place where you're not, no one has to tell you to remember to bring your tithe and offering. You should come to a place where it matters to you so much because you are of the church. You, are, you understand, I'm, I am the church. No one has to remind you, greet people. Because they're, suddenly, everybody's important to you. People you look past at one time, suddenly it's important that everybody feels welcome because you want everybody to be a part of what you're a part of. You don't have to be reminded anymore, hey, your kids can go to Kids Rock if they want to go over there and they can stay here if they want to stay here. You don't have to be reminded. Why? Because it's fluid. All is all are one. When we're singing, we're singing, we're worshiping, we're celebrating in song. When we're, when we're dancing, when we're talking, when we're moving in and among ourselves, it's all worship. And we begin to, when we begin to see that and we let Holy Spirit reveal that to us, suddenly... Things become more exciting and more real and really gets down into the depth and the core of who we are and begins to change us. That's what I want. That's what I've always wanted. But I don't just want it because it's something I want. It's something I want because it's always been in my heart because He put it there. And if I can be completely real with you, I have no idea how to get there except for to tell you what I'm telling you today. Come ready to be the church. Don't come here to attend a church. You hear me, Clay? I need you to come. I would rather have to tell people, please, Sit down. (laughs) Give me five minutes. I just have some things I need to say. Please be seated. I want to do that. I don't want to have to say, okay, can we stand now? Can we greet one another now? I want to be able to say, okay, stop greeting. Stop moving around, everybody. Five five minutes. I have something I have to say. How awesome would that be? I see it here. I want to see it here. Are you ready for that? This is where I'm getting off this train this morning because I don't know where to take it from here. Because I'm not going to accept all the responsibility for this. I'm expecting you to accept some responsibility. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about it? Yes. All right, hold on. People are throwing things.
You know which one it is? As I was listening to um, Apostle talk about food worship, when people think of foods, they think of something that moves really right. But what I was thinking is, um, if we are surrounded by fluid worship, like water, in water, everything is easier to move. You're able mm. to carry things double, maybe triple mm. your weight, and you're surrounded by something that's fluid. Mm. And then not only that, but with that strength, you're able to move in all directions. Mm. In the air, you're able to jump maybe like one, two, maybe feet in the air. But in the water, you can go 50 mm. feet deep down under, 50 feet above, and to the left, mm. and to the right. And when you're surrounded by something that's fluid and something that you're able to worship in, there is very little limitation mm. as far as what you can do. That's really good, Christian. In fact, I don't know if you know, you know sound travels twice as fast in water. And when you think about when you get to that fluid state and the ability to hear, when you, when you get to that spontaneous place where you can say, Father, whatever you want to say, and he can say it and you get it quicker, that's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. Well said, young man. Well said. Get your trades, man. People are, get your trades. If, if you had been out here when we were singing, you would have seen me go to hug Judy Campbell and seen the Holy Spirit pour out on her and work through her to heal me. You hadn't, just, we had church before, before the singing was over. And I said, I, I was completely changed. You were the church before. Exactly. You we were, were the, the church, church before. We were yeah. the church because yeah. we came together. She heard Holy Spirit. I received it. We praised Yahweh. And we had church. Amen. It's happening. Amen. It is happening. It's and it's it's adjustment. It is it is adjustment. It is adjustment. It is adjustment. So what do we do? So um, you know we what I don't want to do. Let me tell you what I don't want to do. I don't want to get to this place and then find ourselves growing weary because nothing's changing. Because the nature is, when things don't change fast enough, our, our human nature is to go back to our comfort place. I want to burn the boats behind me. I want to burn the boats that are behind me so that I have no choice but to find a way to exist in this place. Are you ready for that? So the responsibility is on you. And I mean to every level, to every place. <laughs> and that's good too the responsibility is on you and me it's on every even we can't see things as small anymore the things that are available to us let's sit at the table and eat whether it's circle groups or fellowship time or greeting one another at Nations Cafe, arriving early. Be responsible. The events that are taking place, the things that are happening, what's available to you? Don't be the one that is waiting for someone to tell you what's happening. Dig in. Find out. Take responsibility. Amen. 
And please, let's position ourselves today to never again come to church. Let today be the last time we've ever, we ever come to church. Let today be the last time we ever come to church. Let today mark the day that we are forever the church. We are the church. We are the church. Doesn't matter where we go. What it looks like, I hope different every week. I can tell you the things that are new, even what you're hearing right now. If you are today sitting under the sound of my voice and you have more fear than you have anxiety about moving into this place, it's only because it's awkward because we've not exercised those muscles. Once you exercise those muscles, I promise you, if you could remember what it was like to walk for the first time, you can't. But if you could remember what it was like to walk for the first time, isn't it interesting that no one ever stops walking on purpose? Anybody who starts walking forever walks as long as they can. They don't say, I don't like walking, I think I'll crawl. Because once you exercise those muscles, you find out that there's more. Amen? Amen. So, this is us. All, or say it with me, all, all are one. Worship is worship is worship. From the time we gather, we worship through our fellowship. What does it look like? It's going to begin to look very different than it does right now. It's not going to happen in a week, but it's going to look very different than it is right now until, until you cannot wait to get here. Until you will readjust your schedule so that you can be a part of what the Father's doing. In this. That's what's going to begin to happen. You're going to find yourself saying, I can't go then because we meet Sunday morning. We're going to come together. We have fellowship. We're going to be the church. And you're not going to want to be anywhere else. It's coming.